Turn over to Acts 2 with me. We'll be there in just a minute. And uh, we want to look at the coming of the Comforter today. It's kind of an interesting correlation as we look at Palm Sunday. And... Uh, Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem, and then we're going to go to and look here in Acts with you in a minute of the coming and the arrival of the Holy Spirit. This won't be up on the screen. I just want you to listen to this. I want you, I wanted to read to you the arrival of Jesus, and then we'll move ahead to Acts, but this is over in John. You don't have to turn there, but I just wanted to kind of show you the correlation and, and, and look at Jesus' arrival and the Holy Spirit's arrival. In John 12 and verse 12, it says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, or save us now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's coat. It had been prophesied years before that Jesus would come in in the book of Zechariah. He would come in as royalty. Everybody was screaming and yelling and happy and cheering. And sadly, by the end of the week, some of those same people would be saying, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified, that they realized that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. Now the crowd was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. My prayer today is I wish that statement was right. I wish the whole world had gone, was going after Jesus, but a lot have. But the Bible still says, narrow be the way, and few be that find it. He came and, and died for every one of us. Every despicable sin that you can think of, the person that perpetrated that sin, every despicable sin that I've ever done and you've ever done, Jesus died for every single one of those. You see, he didn't just die for a select group and say the rest of you can do the best you can. He died for every person. And these men of God, so-called here, as I just read, they said this is getting us nowhere. He's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. He has taken all the attention away from us, and this has got to stop. Guys, 2,000 years later, it is time for us to make much of Jesus. There's a world dying and going to hell. There is a world that is running far away from the Bible as fast as they can run. And guys, we have to ask him first to forgive us and repent and get our lives straight. And we've got to be quick to tell the good news of the gospel. Because this world needs Jesus. He is the only answer for what this world's condition is. It's Jesus Christ. You know... To mark an important event is very important to people. 
Here in just a few months, we will celebrate something we celebrate every year, the 4th of July. And, and it's kind of, I don't know, maybe lost some of its steam. I don't know. I'm not sure the first thing we think about when we get up on the 4th of July is our country being founded and people coming over here to find religious freedom and people coming over here to, to worship. And I think the first thing we think about is where are we going to the lake? Are we going to go barbecue? Are we going to go watch fireworks? It's kind of lost some of its steam. But it's very important to a country to go back. I, I was at the funeral of Joe Bagley yesterday, and they folded the flag there at the cemetery. And I don't know, it just, I'd seen that happen before, but yesterday just, it just caught my attention even more. And I thought about the men and women had fought for that flag and how they'd sacrificed so that I could stand up here in this pulpit today and preach about the freedom of Christ with freedom. And they folded it, and I remembered, I remembered those that had died, those that had paid the price for us. And today, as we've seen the pictures on the screen, as Amy sang so beautifully, we remembered what Jesus had sacrificed for us. Today, as we look at the Pentecost, I'm afraid it's something that's kind of lost its luster in the scheme of things. But ladies and gentlemen, what we're about to read today is the birthday of the church. It's the reason why we're here today. And you know, a lot of times when we go back and we look at those things, maybe it's a 25th anniversary, maybe it's a 50th anniversary, maybe it's a, a celebrating or, or remembering something tragic, celebrating something good, remembering something tragic, whatever it is, it takes our heart back and it, it, it starts to stir things in us again. One person said, a people reinvigorates itself by drawing comfort and the challenge from the way it was in the beginning. Sometimes we can go back to the start and we get excited and we get energized again and we get excited about what we want to do. And I pray as we look at Pentecost, and it's, it's just a few verses, but the love that Jesus had for us, the love that God the Father had for us, and now the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, is, is complete. And it comes here, and he's given us this comforter, this, this convictor, this dwelling part, this place, that, this person that draws us to Christ. He's given us this wonderful, powerful gift. And just as we'll read here in a minute, they really didn't understand what was going on. And I don't think 2,000 years from now, right now, I don't think we understand how much power that we hold in ourselves through the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't think we've even drawn on a, 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 a one-eight-thousandth of it, of what we could actually draw on if we would just allow the Holy Spirit to move in our lives like God intended it to do. In Acts 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. We've, I heard that this morning as I woke up. It made me think about, I'm praying about, I'm preaching about Pentecost there. I heard that wind blowing. That violent wind that whistles and you can feel that play and it was filling up the room and it's probably grander than that. Blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Now, it wasn't tongues of fire, but what seemed to be tongues of fire. It, it just, it was trying to explain what they're seeing. 
that separated and came to rest on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as that Spirit enabled them. Something big was happening. Now, let me give you a little back history. This week is the Holy Week. Today is what we call Palm Sunday, the the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. He would go through many things this week. He would spend, tomorrow he would uh, throw the money changers out of the temple. He said, you've turned my place into a den of thieves. The next day he would do more teaching and he would do more just discipling because he knew his time was getting short. We would come to the the Passover supper and and really where he instituted the, the Lord's Supper that we'll share together Wednesday night. By the way, when's the last time you've been to the Lord's Supper? Something that he has asked us to do whenever we do it, remember him. Guys, this place ought to be packed when we have the Lord's Supper. It doesn't save you. It doesn't do anything toward your salvation, but it is in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And for some reason, we have about 20 of us here when we have the Lord's Supper. You need to come and witness that once in a while. You need to just get quiet and because we spend a lot of time just being quiet and looking at our life, looking at what Jesus has done for us. But he instituted that with his disciples. Then right after that, they would go and pray. Then he would be arrested. He would be taken through a kangaroo court, as we looked at just a few weeks ago in John. Then he would be beaten by daylight. They had already ran the process through. They had beaten him. They were going to beat him. And the Bible says he was beaten so bad you couldn't even recognize who he was. They would lead him down a path, and he would hang on an old rugged cross for you and me. They would jeer at him, and they would make fun of him, and they would laugh at him. They would spit at him. They would stick a spear in his side. But he would pay the price for your sin and my sin. Some men came and take him down and laid him in a borrowed grave. He didn't even have a grave of his own. He didn't have a tomb of his own. But on the third day, he rose. He rose from that grave, guys. And we serve a living Savior today. The Passover was the first festival. I'm going to bring you to Pentecost. The Passover went back to the Old Testament. We've been studying the Gospel Project in teen class and in little kids' classes. But the whole Old Testament is bringing you and pointing you toward Jesus. As I said a few weeks ago, if you want to make the main theme of the Old Testament, it could probably come from the words of Isaac. Father, where's the sacrifice? And the whole Old Testament is pointing us toward the sacrifice that Jesus would make for us. But the Jews at this time would have the Passover. The Passover was a time where they came together and they shared a festival, they shared a feast that would take them back to remember what happened to their forefathers in in the land of Egypt. The night that God allowed them to come out of that, that, that land and that country. And he said, I want you to take and spread the blood over the doorpost. I want you to take and I put blood around the door of your house if you are a believer. And that blood, when the death angel comes by, he will pass by your door. And you will not die. And they would, they would remember that. It would stir the emotions in them once again of how much God loved them. The next thing would be three days later. It would be the festival of the first fruits. 
And this was a time where they would take, back in the Old Testament, they would take their first fruits, kind of like a, a harvest offering, you might call it, kind of where we got the idea for our harvest offering, was to bring the first things in, the first tithe of their crops, the things that they had raised, and they would bring that on the day of the first fruits. It was three days past the Passover. Guess what happened on three days after the Passover? Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He was the first fruit. He was the first fruit to show us that the grave could not hold us if we believe in Jesus Christ. He was the first fruit of that. Now, 50 days later, we come to the festival of Pentecost. Pentecost had a couple, a couple things. One of the things, it was the feast of the latter fruits. It would be at the end, after you got everything in, you gave him a, a tithe off the first of your harvest, but also at the end you would give him over the abundance and things, you would give that to him. And Pentecost came. It was, it was to realize that almost a second offering. And here we see on the day of Pentecost that offering. Jesus said, i got to leave, but I'm going to send someone to be with you. And he sent the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came into this room that day, and they were there in one accord. Most people believe they were in the same upper room where they had the Lord's Supper that night. They were in that same upper room where the Holy Spirit came and dwelt among them. And so they're celebrating these things, and they're remembering, and they're remembering. But this day... This Pentecost had a brand new meaning. It had a brand new meaning. The Savior would send the Holy Spirit to dwell among us. And guys, he is still among us today. I'll show you just in a minute how you benefit from the Holy Spirit. Let's read a little bit further. Verse 5, Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. There were people there that were Jews that were from every corner of the earth. So you can imagine they all spoke different languages. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. What I love about this is when the Holy Spirit's doing work, people's going to notice it. And the Holy Spirit was doing work. They heard the wind. They heard what was going on. They heard these people talking in this upper room, and they come together around. They wanted to see what was happening. And God allowed through the infilling, through the filling of the Holy Spirit, for them to speak in a language they didn't even know. It'd be like me if I just started speaking Spanish to you today, or French, or Muslims uh, speak, uh, you know, any of those things, any of these Ch Chinese, any language, they just started speaking. And these Jews recognized it in their own tongue. They understood every word they were saying. And these guys were all Galileans. Now, I got tickled when I read about Galileans. They kind of spoke like we do down here in the South. They skipped about every third word. They were hard to follow. They was probably even more like the Cajuns, if you've ever been around the Cajuns. They're hard to understand. That's what the Galileans were. And his people knew that. And they go, how in the world can these old crusty Galileans, how can they speak so I can understand it? They're speaking it perfectly. It's because the power of the Holy Spirit was within them. And God was allowing this so these people could understand what was happening. And it wasn't so much as they were presenting the gospel at this time. That would come. But they were just praising and glorifying God. They were giving due to the one that needed to be given due to. They were worshiping and they were thanking God for all that he was doing. And they were being a witness to these people of the God that they serve. And man, what a day it was. What a day it was. Verse 7, utterly amazed, they ask, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? And look at all the people that were there. Now, if you were here Wednesday night, there's a really eerie similarity to this. We looked at Ezekiel 38, 39, Wednesday night, and how in the end of time, all these people that surround Jerusalem are going to descend on them and come to cause war. But God's going to step up and defeat all their enemies. But these were from the same places. Let's read it together. He says, uh, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, these were Roman people, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, and Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. That's amazing. All these different languages, all these different people. And you know what? It must have been like one of the big things that we're trying to do as Christian people today is to translate God's word into every known language that we can possibly get it into. And these people must have been the same way when that little boy or that little girl or that mom and dad in the deepest, darkest part of somewhere over there that we know nothing about And the first day, that missionary brings that Bible to them, and they hear God speak to them for the first time in their language, and they say, God knows my language. These people were thinking the same thing. They were thinking the same thing. God knows my language. God speaks my language. And I want you to know this morning, guys and girls, God speaks your language. He can get right where you're at. He can get right down on your level. And he can help you in things that you never even dreamed of. Because he is God. And he is amazing. He is incredible. And he can speak your language. And here he was through the Holy Spirit. Through these men. Through this 120 that were gathered in this upper room in one accord. He was speaking in such a way that they could understand God in their own language. And that's what Jesus wants. That's what God said. Jesus, remember Jesus said, there's one coming that can do greater things than I can do. And what he wanted these people to know that God's love, Jesus' death on the cross, and his dying for your sins is available to everyone that will accept it. No one gets left out. Isn't that wonderful? No one gets left out if you want to just come to know Jesus. I love that. Amazed, verse 12, and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? At one minute they were amazed, they were astounded, they were happy. You could see a smile, and all of a sudden it was like the countenance left, and and then they were perplexed trying to figure out, First of all, it's amazing that I can understand them, but why can I understand them? Why am I supposed to know this? And we see right there early the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. As it began to work on the hearts of men and women, it began to move on them because, guys, listen to me. The Bible tells us, unless the Spirit draws you, you cannot come to the Father. And he began to draw. He began to do the thing that he'd come to do. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Isn't it amazing? And we all know about the world of negativity we live in, that when somebody does something really awesome and something really great, there's always these people sitting over in the corner figuring out how they can run this person down. There's people out there that are never satisfied about anything. 
Here they had just witnessed a miracle of miracles. The birth of the church. The Holy Spirit has arrived. The whole world. You, you realize something? God just fulfilled Acts 1-8 in one shot. Remember what he said? He said, Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other ends, parts of the earth. And you know what? That all happened right there on the spot. Boom! <laughs> Isn't that amazing? They could all hear. They all understood. He fulfilled Acts 1-8 in one swoop. That's how powerful our God is. Now he's asked us to do that. Keep taking it out there. This wasn't a one-time thing. Keep taking out the good word. Keep telling people about that. But isn't it amazing? They witnessed all this awesome stuff, and all they can say is sit over in the corner and go, let me try to figure that out in my human brain. Let me try to deduce this in what I know. You know what? These guys are probably drunk. And it was 9 o'clock in the morning. You know, you hear people all the time, if I could just see a miracle, I'd believe. If I could just see a miracle, I would believe in Jesus no matter what. These folks just seen a miracle. And all they could come up with, they must be drunk. You see, guys, the heart has to be prepared and the spirit has to be drawing for a miracle to do you any good. A miracle by itself is just a miracle. But a miracle with the drawing of the Holy Spirit, a miracle with your heart prepared and looking for God, it'll change your life. And when he saved my soul and when he saved your soul, it was a miracle. We didn't deserve it. It's it's God thing. It's big. A miracle is a is a God thing. It's got to come from God. And God's salvation of our soul is a God thing. We can't be good enough. Doesn't matter which church we go to. Doesn't matter how times we pray or how many times we read the Bible. It just matters if we believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We've he died, rose again. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and we ask him to come into our life and be the Lord and the boss and the ruler of our life. Then he can change our life, and it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Let me show you real quick what Pentecost means for us today. You say, Brett Todd, that's a great story. That's pretty powerful, but what, what does that do for me? First of all, I want you to know that if the Holy Spirit hadn't come that day, none of us would be saved in this room. The Holy Spirit draws us. It draws us to salvation. You remember the night you were saved and you were sitting there, maybe it's in revival, maybe it's in Bible school, maybe it's at the house, maybe it's driving down the road, maybe it's in the farm field, I, you know, maybe it's under a car, working on a car. I, I, you know, God comes in all different ways. But something started to dig at your heart. I remember, man, even at nine years old, I was just sitting there just scared to death. I was gripping that pew, man, and I was just, oh, I need, I need Jesus, but I don't want to go up front. Unfortunately, the Lord sent my best friend up that night, and me, me and him were tight. And he, I said, if he can do it, I can do it. <laughs> and I just went right behind him. And I said, Lord, thank you. Thank you for saving me. I prayed right over there in that church that night, and he came into my life. And it's as real right now that it was when I was nine years old. That was 50, oh, 51 years ago. No, something like that. I don't know, 41 years ago. Thank you. See how excited I am? I can't remember but he drew me. And guys, you, can, you remember that, the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. He drew you. He drew you in. Another thing that he does is he indwells and convicts the believer. Now, when we are saved, listen to me real close, and we'll get into more of this. There, there's so much in Acts, guys, that what, what's hard to determine is what's repeatable and what's not, okay? What's repeatable and what's not. 
probably most of your denominational differences come out of the book of Acts. Because things were happening for the first time. Things were happening just like the day of Pentecost. There won't be a day like that ever again as far as how that all happened. But now the Holy Spirit is repeatable, amen? He's still here. But, but some people believe that happens. It's going to happen again. They, they pray for that, that coming of the Holy Spirit. He's already here. And we're going to find over the next few weeks, I pray for you to pray for me as I try to study because there's so much of this that's repeatable that will happen again. There's, others of, there's a lot of it that just happened one time because the church is brand new. It's just now getting up and running. And Jesus is trying to show, and the Holy Spirit and these leaders are trying to show the people how it's to be done, and then it grows from there. So here we just read it. It says, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a difference between being indwelled by the Holy Spirit and being full of the Holy Spirit. When we're saved, we're indwelt. That means he's here. But how do we stay filled with the Holy Spirit? We have to read his word. We have to pray. I believe it's good to come to church and get around other church people. I believe it's good to, to follow him, to, to seek out him, to search for him. And he fills us. It's kind of like going to the filling station. That's why I believe church is so important. This is a rough world, amen? It's a mess out there some, some weeks, and it's tough. And I'm telling you, if you go two, three, four, five, six, eight weeks without coming to church, your tank gets pretty empty. But when you come back, and you come back every Sunday, he fills that tank up. He fills you with the Holy Spirit, and you're allowed to go out, and you're, allowed to, you're able to go back out in the world and fight that battle again because by Wednesday, he's going to wear you down again. That's why we did that in the middle of the week. It's not just say, let's have another church day. We felt like in the middle of the week, we can get you filled up again and get you on through the next Sunday. There's a purpose. There's a method in our madness. Also, the Holy Spirit comforts the believer. He comforts us. I prayed yesterday, as I do over every family that I have a funeral. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just come and comfort them. Will come and wrap your arms of comfort around them. Guys, you know, some days we just feel awful alone. We feel awful sad. We feel awful dejected. We feel awful, I don't know, we just feel awful some days. But the Holy Spirit was sent to comfort us, to let us know that someone loves us, to let us know that we're cared for, and that you might think, nobody in this world loves me. You, you, you might be thinking, I'm just useless. There's nothing good about me. I'm telling you what, there's something good about you. Jesus died for that something good in you. And he wants to make you something special, something beautiful in his eyes. And he comes and comforts you and comforts the believer. Maybe it's in death. Maybe it's in sickness. Maybe, it's, maybe we've sinned. You remember those weeks when you fall flat on your face and just mess up? And the Lord comes to us and he says, sends the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comforts us. And he said, you can, be, you can be forgiven. You can go again. And he comforts us through that. The Holy Spirit speaks for us when we can't. I know this is one of Brother Fred's favorite verses. You ever been trying to pray and it just didn't feel like your prayers were getting past the ceiling? Sometimes I've said, Lord, I, I've said it out loud as I pray to him, Lord, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to pray for this. I don't know how to pray for this situation. I know the family wants them to stay here. I know they're sick. I know you can make them fully well. But Lord, I don't know how to pray because I know that family's going to miss them. And you know what's the best thing to do at that time? 
Just shut up. The Bible says when we don't know how to pray, we don't know what to say, the Holy Spirit prays for us. How good a prayer is that? Part of the Godhead prays to Jesus for us. That's amazing to me. I imagine Gary went through that this week. He didn't know how to pray. He didn't know what to do next. I want you to know, Gary, the Holy Spirit was moving. He was comforting. He was working that situation. And then the Holy Spirit fills the believer. He wants to fill you today. Let me ask you something. As I've taught this morning, I believe that we are indwelt when we're saved. And I believe that we are filled with the Holy Spirit in different times of our life. When's the last time you truly felt you were filled with the Spirit? When's the last time you truly felt you were filled with the Spirit? I don't know, Brother Todd. I don't even know what that feels like. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe it's been a long time. Maybe it's been a long time since he really just got a hold of you and you, you were just ready to just run through a wall for Jesus Christ. Maybe it's sin in your life. Maybe it's where your attention is. Guys, listen to me. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's real easy for our attention to get on family and job and kids and spouse. And all those things are very important. But I'm telling you, the Bible says there's nothing more important than Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than God. Maybe it's where your attention is. Maybe that needs to be corrected. Maybe you just need to get on your knees and repent and say, Lord, I want to, be, I want to feel what it feels like to be filled with the Spirit. I want to be able to go out those doors. And I don't want to leave nothing and I don't want to take no baggage with me. I want to leave it all at your, your feet. And I want to go out these doors, and I want to be on fire for you. As I told you last week, 120 people changed the lives of millions. Don't you think that about 90 or 100 people of us today walking out the door filled with the Holy Spirit could turn Kaiser upside down? We could turn Mississippi County upside down, filled with the Spirit. That's all power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And kids, this is bigger than Superman or Spider-Man. This is the power of God. This is the power of God. What a day. What a day. As we look back 2,000 years ago to the birthday of the church, I pray that it invigorates us. It excites us once again that God did this for us. And he's got something great for us to do. May we leave here today invigorated by the Holy Spirit. May we leave here today filled with the Holy Spirit. asking to move aside anything that's keeping you from being filled with God's Spirit. And he'll do it. He'll do it. Get in his word. Get on your knees and pray and seek what he wants for you. And he will fill you with his Spirit. And you will do things that cannot even be imagined. He will work miracles in your life through his power. As I said earlier, guys, I don't think we even realize one, one millionth of the power that we have living in us as Christian people. In closing, maybe today you've never given your heart to Jesus. See, you've got to be indwelt before you can be filled. When we're saved, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. 
Today, maybe you want to come and give your heart to Jesus. Here on the birthday of the church as we're reading. Now, the birthday of the church will actually be, I looked it up on the calendar, Pentecost and the birthday of the church is eight weeks, counting Easter, forward eight Sundays. That'll be June 8th. That's the Sunday before Father's Day. That'll be the birthday of the church. That's how Pentecost would be, be measured out. Maybe today as we're thinking about the birthday of the church, you'd like to give your heart to Jesus. Maybe you want to come and be a part of this church. Say, I want to get filled and fill my spirit with these people, and I want to go out and help this country and this city. Maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you won't quite get there this morning. Maybe you won't be filled with the Holy Spirit leaving this building. But maybe you want to start. Maybe you want to come and pray with someone and say, Lord, help me get the things out of my life that's keeping me from being filled by your spirit. And listen to me, Baptist. Don't be scared to death about being filled with the Spirit. This is biblical. This is biblical. But I'm talking about being filled with the Spirit. What's he going to do next? I'm going to tell you that Jesus loves you. I'm going to tell you that he wants to keep filling you, that he wants to use you, that he wants to do great things with you. And he can do it. Amen? He can do it. Let's bow together. Dear Father, we come to you today, Lord, and we're excited about what you've done and what you've promised. And Lord, as we look back at the birthday of the church, how amazing it was. What a day. Every nation could understand that they were glorifying you. They were praising you. Lord, you spoke through these men in a perfect language that everyone could understand. Lord, no matter where they were from, they understood Lord, I know that that'll be that way someday in heaven where you'll speak and we'll all understand in all of our own languages. Lord, that's going to be amazing. Lord, just, just speak to us today. Lord, speak to those that have never, never trusted you, Lord. We'd love to share with them how to, how to come to know you, not because we're perfect, but because we know how great it is. Lord, maybe those that want to join our family. And Lord, I especially pray for for us that have not filled your, be filled with your Spirit in some time. Lord, maybe we forgot what it even felt like to be filled with your Spirit, to be on fire for you. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to hearts today. Thank you for paying it all for us. Thank you for, you, you just keep providing for us. You provided the comforter. You, you sit at the right hand of the Father and intercede for us. You, you stand up when we need you to stand up. You look over us. You, you know everything about us. And Lord, we thank you for loving us that much. Lord, speak through this time. And thank you as we listen quietly. In your name we pray. Amen.